God's word that we'll take some time to consider this morning comes from Mark chapter 6. Uh, if you want to follow along you've, and you've got one of these white and blue Bibles there in front of you, you can find Mark 6 in this section on page 817, 817 if you'd like. We'll begin with verse 30. If you've got your own Bible there, I invite you to follow along. Brief word of prayer as we begin now to him who loved us and to made this to be his own, to serve him as a kingdom of priests, to him be glory and power and honor forever and ever. Amen. What good can we do around here? If you've been around here for a while and you've been to any of our uh, various study groups that we have or activity groups, you've probably heard me ask that question or you've heard other people ask that question, what good can we do around here? And maybe if you've got your service folder open and you're following along with me, you can see there there's a blank and you could even write down right now, if you've got something on your mind you've been thinking about and you said, oh yeah, you know, that's something that we could be doing. Maybe you want to write it down right now. What good could we be doing? Fill in that blank right there, page three in your service folder. Sometimes people ask me, well, what do you mean around here? Like in our homes or at peace or in our cities? And I say any of the above, any of the above. The, the, the thing is, is what's God putting in front of you these days to say, here's something to pay attention. Here's something that you could be up to. Here's something that you could be doing. Right? What, what's God putting in front of you? The thing is, is, and you know if you've been at any of our groups, most of the time we, we don't have much to say. And, and I don't, I'm not into to yelling at people about that or, or harping on people about that. I mean, it's not a, a command of God that we ask this question and we know an answer to this question. But I do wonder, why don't we have an answer to the question? Why don't we have things that, that we say, this is a good thing we could be doing? A big thing or a little thing? Why don't we have any answer to that question? I mean, I wonder, I wonder if it's become something of a, of a situation like this, this kind of classic funny example of, of the portrayal of Christianity. Maybe you've heard this illustration before. There's this kind of famous story, old story told about a missionary who went to a tribal chieftain. And he gave him the message of, the Christi of Christianity, the message of Jesus. And he said, all right, here's how it goes. And, right, and he gave him this little presentation and the tribal chieftain listened to him. And then he, afterwards he said to him, so what you're telling me is, is I, if, I, if I become a Christian, if I believe, say I believe in Jesus, I can't go and kill the neighboring chieftain anymore. He says, you're right, you can't go do that. And then he says, uh, so what you're telling me is if I become a Christian, I can't go and steal my neighbor's wives and add them to my harem. He says, you're right, you can't do that either. And, and, and he says, so what you're telling me is if I become a Christian, I can't go plunder and loot my neighbor's villages and take their stuff. He says, you're right, you can't do that. And then the tribal chieftain looks at him and says, you know, I'm 70 years old. I already can't do any of that stuff. Does that mean I'm already a Christian? It's kind of a funny story, right? But, but it makes the great point. How many people think Christianity is just a thing, rule, list of, of things that you can't do? It's just a big, long list of rules. And, and is that maybe why, why we don't see, why we don't have an answer to what's the good around here that, that we could be doing? Certainly, there's another extreme to the, the answer. You know, I know some people around here, I know some people connected to us who are so busy serving other people and doing good that, that they are not here with us to, to worship or to study. And I'm not sure if that's the answer either. 
Jesus shows us a different answer, a different way today in this great lesson from the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus shows us how we can be part of his new creation that he's making, his, his new world that he's making. He wants us to be part of it. This is a great story. It's a great event. If you've, if you've got that next little spot there in your service folder, you can see there's, there's actually three events that show up in each gospel. Three events in the life of Jesus that show up in each gospel. And one of them is the feeding of the 5,000. The other is the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Either this event was so impressive and so important that it just stuck in the disciples' minds or the Holy Spirit really said, this is important, you got to make sure you write this down, but this is just one of three events that shows up in each gospel. And today then we want to see, well, What's God showing us here about our part in his new creation? Because we can see a great picture of Jesus. It's a very impressive sight of Jesus. Jesus is very busy. His disciples have just returned from their mission trip. He sent out 72. They just came back. They're, they, they're telling Jesus. They're reporting to Jesus all the things that they have seen, right? So they're pretty busy. Uh, and now Jesus has this crowd of people crushing him. He's, they're just crushing on him. And what does Jesus say about them all? He doesn't shoo them away. He says he has compassion on them because they're like sheep without a shepherd. He has compassion on them. It's a, an incredible thing, right? Jesus, he, he, he doesn't say, get out of here. I'm too tired. I'm just so busy. Right? He's, not like a, he's not like a dad at the end of the day. You know, you go home from work and, oh, I'm so tired. It's been such a long day. And your kids are saying, hey, I want you to come play baseball with me. And you're like, no, get out of here. I just want to sit down. It, it, he doesn't say that to them, does he? Uh, but he could. He's exhausted. He's been helping his disciples. And now his disciples are clamoring for his attention. And on top of it all, his good cousin, his good friend John has just died his good cousin John has died. He's exhausted. And he doesn't say, get out of here. He has compassion. That word compassion, it, it means that he, he got messed up in his stomach. Compassion has to do with his, his bowels, his, his insides. He got all turned up on the inside. It's not revulsion. Some of you have probably uh, you know, been in a hospital or at the, the side of a bed of somebody who's dying. And, and your stomach went, ugh. And you almost felt bad about it afterwards because you didn't want to have that reaction, right? But you, it was involuntary. You just kind of got almost sick just seeing the person and smelling the sights. That's not compassion. That's not compassion. You know, that's how we feel sometimes, but that's not compassion. Compassion is, is this. If somebody comes screaming and hollering at you, I'm really mad at you! Are you awake now? Somebody comes yelling and screaming at you. They say, I'm really mad at you. What do you think you're doing? How, come, how could you be like that? And you could say, wow, I can tell you're in a lot of pain. I can tell you're hurting right now. Sounds like you're hurting. Do you want to tell me more about it? That's compassion. Right? Somebody is in so much pain and, and you can not yell back at them. You can just absorb their pain. That's what Jesus does. This is the only way you get God. This is the God of the Bible, right? He's a God who has both the power to handle all of your problems. He has the strength. He has the capacity to handle all these problems. And he actually cares about them. This is the only way 
you and I get the God of the Bible. You know, you and I, we look at these huge issues this week, like there was flooding in Germany and Belgium, and what, 1,500 people are lost, and more than 100 people are dead, and, and we think, man, that's a big problem. That's a disaster, and it is a disaster. It's a God-sized kind of problem. It's not much that I can do something about. It's a big problem. And then, then we look at our problems, and, and I think, does God really care about my problem? I mean, I've got, a, I've got a problem. I can't get my truck fixed, or I've got, you know, this thing broken in my house. Can I, can I really take that problem to God? Because it's just such a little problem. And, and God says, yes, right? It doesn't matter the big or the little ones. It, it does need to come to him. And in fact, people do this all the time. They, they look at our, our prayers and they say, what's my problem compared to that big thing? And God says, I want to hear that problem too, right? This is the only way you get the God of the Bible, the real God. He's the God who has the power and the capacity and the strength, and at the same time, he cares. And people have always tried to to figure out, well, what does that mean about all of the problems in the world? Does God actually care? And sometimes people say, well, the easy answer is he just, he doesn't care. He He has the power, but he but he doesn't care. This is like you look at the old story in the Bible. There's an old story called Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And these, these prophets, they spend the whole day crying out to God and they cut and they hurt themselves and, and the, God doesn't answer them. And it sounds like, well, God just doesn't care. And, and some other people say, you know what, maybe he, he doesn't have the power, but he really does care. Some other religions try to say that. And the Bible doesn't let you say either of those things. The Bible makes you say, no matter what you're dealing with, that he has the power, he has the capacity, he has the strength, and he cares. He can. Jesus is the only God who will take the people to himself. He breaks the bread, he passes it out, he feeds the thousands, and there's extra left over. He's the only God who can do that, who does that who says, this is who I am, really. I am the God who both has the power and he cares. And whenever you look at hunger and poverty in the world, that's what you have to say. And that also leads us to the place where, you know, where we start to see what God wants from us in this lesson. Because God, Jesus, he said back to the disciples, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Jesus expects that you and I care and that we can do something about it. Do you and I care? Right? God's response to the, to the hunger and the poverty of this world is, is not to ignore it. And, and he doesn't let you and I say, I don't care about it. It's no biggie. But he also doesn't let you and I say, that's something that's way beyond my control, way beyond my power. He expects some compassion. And I, I wonder sometimes, you know, I watch my kids, I watch my kids and they, they love to play this game where they, they like crash into each other. You just run around and you crash into each other. Maybe you guys played that when you were, you were little kids. They'll, they'll, they'll run around the house and they'll crash into each other and it's, oh, it's so silly until like usually it's about the 10-year-old runs into the 5-year-old and goes, bam! And then they just lie there on the ground and they're crying and they say, oh, that's too bad. I'm that's too bad, you know, and you, you say, oh my goodness, are my kids turning into sociopaths? They just don't seem to care at all. 
But then we're adults. We're adults, don't we care? Or, or do we really just say, oh, that's too bad. Looks like you have a little problem there. God doesn't let you and I get away without, with saying, oh, it, it doesn't matter. God says to you and I through Jesus, you've got the strength, you can, and you need to say, I care. And here's how far it, you have to go. Jesus took the loaves and he broke those loaves into pieces. And then when the whole thing was done, he gathered up 12 pieces of, 12 basketfuls full of broken loaves. This is a really powerful picture that Jesus is putting in front of you and I. Because he's trying to show us with this picture of, of 12 broken loaves something that he's been showing you and I ever since the beginning. You know, when, when Jesus fed the Israelites as they wandered through the wilderness, he didn't give them huge loaves of wonder bread falling from heaven. He gave them little pieces of, of manna, little tiny little flakes of manna. And, and when Jesus fed the widow of Zarephath, he, he let the widow's flower get all the way down to nothing. And, and what was he trying to say with all of these things? He's saying, you know, it's the people who really are, are broken, who see that they are insignificant and they are nothing. It's the people who become nothing who can really do something in the world. Every other religion, every other thinking in the world is going to tell you and I, you have to be something great. You have to be something powerful. It's the powerful people who get something done in the world. And God says, no, it's the broken. It's the broken pieces. It's the things that have been ripped apart. The little things that can do something significant in the world. And it's only when you and I can finally get a little bit over ourselves, right? And, and we are willing to say, you're right, God. I am insignificant. I am lost. I'm a mess. I'm worthless on my own. That God can help us in all of these big problems in the world. I, I think a little bit about it like, like this. Imagine, I, I like to imagine this illustration, right? Imagine that you and I are a bunch of diamonds. And, and there's one really big, beautiful diamond, like the Hope Diamond in the middle. Now, that would be a beautiful thing, wouldn't it? We would all look at this diamond, we would adore it, we'd say, man, that's, that's the diamond that I want to be. That's the diamond that I want to look at. And, and that's the picture that often comes before us in life. Right? The point of that illustration is to say, oftentimes the picture put before us is to say, become the diamond. You need to become big and beautiful and wonderful, and that's how you'll be truly useful in life. But Jesus comes along and he says, I'm the diamond, and here's what I'm going to do for you. I will be crushed. I'll get broken into a thousand tiny little pieces. I'll get ripped apart into shreds on the cross. I will let the anger of God over all of the sin and the poverty and the injustice and the hunger of this world rip me apart. I'll become almost worthless so that you can become worthful. You can have a value beyond measure in God, my Father's eyes. That's what Jesus says for you and for me, so that you and I can become truly useful in his kingdom. 
And, and the more that we see, the more we realize and we see that God has become weak and lowly for us so that we can have a value and a worth that is beyond our measure. The more we'll be able to say, I care, I care about these things in life and I can do something about them. One of my favorite examples of somebody saying, I care about these things and I can do something about them is an old man named Polycarp. Polycarp lived in about the 150s, give or take a little bit. Um, and, and there's some hyperbole in this story, so we're not 100% correct, sure about all of it. But Polycarp lived at a time where, and in a place where, where some people were coming after him for his practice of the Christian religion. And um, it sounds like he was hiding out in a house, and his friends, for some reason, we don't know why, but his friends betrayed him. They gave up his location. Uh, and so the soldiers came to his house to arrest him. And then Polycarp, when the soldiers got to his house, he didn't try to run away. They found him up on his roof, just lying there. And he called for food and drink for his soldiers that were going to arrest him. And he asked for an hour to pray. Now, here's a man who is about to get arrested, and then he's going to be executed. And, and his main priority is to get food and drink to the soldiers who are arresting him. There's a man who says, I care. There's a man who has seen that in Jesus, he has got a worth and a value that this world can never provide for him. He doesn't have to become great. He doesn't have to become impressive. He can care just who he is. And so can you and I. When, when you and I see that Jesus is the bread of life who was broken, ripped apart, and shredded for us so that we are satisfied in all of our hungers, you and I too, we can say, I care and I can. I can do something about these things. Whatever it is, big or little, I care and I can. So let's pray for that. Dear Lord, thank you for the awesome work that you have done in Jesus to make us satisfied with who we are. You haven't built us up into being impressive figures, but you have taken yourself down. You have made yourself low. So we see just how much we are really worth to you. Let us value rightly our own worth in your sight. Know that we are, are precious and loved and that we have a place in your grand work in this world. We can care about the things around us and we can do something about them because of what you have done for us. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.